0: I believe, if everything's working properly, I am in Akron, Ohio. This is Mike McCurry and all the way from uh, Mongolia. And I'll let you pronounce you know, all of the different things that go along with that. Uh, since you are, I'm sure, much more proficient in the language than I am, we have missionary Bradley Kubik. I appreciate you being with us, sir. Hey, thanks for having me in, bro. Absolutely, absolutely. So whereabouts are you? And for those of us like myself who are a little weak on our geography, maybe tell us where you are and when you are, because it's not in my time zone here on Eastern Time, that's for sure. All
1: right, so Eastern Time is the easiest because it's exactly 12 hours opposite the other side of the clock. Uh, We are right in between China and Russia, uh, landlocked in the little forgotten country, Mongolia. We're in the capital city of Ulaanbaatar. There's about 2 million people in this little tiny city. It sits in a little valley in between two mountain ranges, um, and it's the most populated city in the country. Half of the population of the entire country live in this one city, um, and um, there's a lot, a lot of work to be done here.
0: Wow. So, um, well, I, I jumped ahead of myself. For those that would maybe weak on geography, but also might not know who you are, give us a sh- short bio in two minutes of, of who you are, um, and we'll get into how you came to be there in just a second. But who you are and uh, what brought you to that side of the world.
1: All right, so my name is Bradley Kubik. I'm married to Ashley. i got three little boys, Maverick, Tiberius, and Ronan. And I knew I was supposed to be missionary since I was seven years old. So something I've been dreaming about my whole life. I uh, finally went off to college after high school, met my wife there, and then um, worked in a church for a couple of years. Youth director, ended up being pastor for a couple months months. And then finally got on deputation two years later, uh, ended up here in Mongolia. I was praying my whole life about where to go. I had a big map I prayed over. A a missionary gave me a a big flag-sized map. map. And I prayed over a map of the world for years and years, asking God, where where do you want me to go? I was hoping he would maybe highlight one of the countries in some type of ray from heaven or something. I had no idea how he was going to tell me. Uh, i was just praying and praying for uh, all the way through middle school and all the way through high school and i got to college and i kind of gave up on the map thing i kind of knew all the countries by then so i was just praying and praying and finally i met pastor alan fong who came to college and preached i actually didn't meet him he didn't actually talk to me i didn't get to talk to him but uh, he mentioned mongolia uh, he didn't say a lot about it he just mentioned what that he had been there or some i don't even remember what he said about the country um, but god just kind of stuck that country in my head that day and so I went. I went back to my dorm. I was praying, and, and uh, I started researching the country on Google. There's not much information on there, but within a couple of days, I knew for sure that's where God wanted me to be. Uh, so I was excited. I told all my friends in college. I told. I called my parents and told them. and My parents were like, "I don't even know where that is. Maybe you should reconsider." <laughs> but that's, I don't. Know. But I knew then. So after that, I just had to finish college and get some experience and get on deputation before I can get here. So Brexit we're, we're at the one year mark. Uh, a couple of days ago, we just hit one year mark, so we're excited. Amen, amen.
0: Now it seems like with a lot of my guests here on the podcast, I either start from present day and we work backwards, or we just go back to the beginning. And something you said jumped out at me. You knew since you were seven years old, and so maybe talk a little bit about how kind of that came to be, because I, I am very much of the opinion that God can speak to all ages and if we listen more we might uh, hear it at a younger age than than we keep when he finally gets a hold of us Um, but maybe talk to us about about your home life as as much as you can I mean to ask a personal question that your parents and church life put you in a position where you were ready and willing to hear God and 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 moreover surrender to that call
1: right my parents were reached by a a preacher on visitation door-to-door visitation amen uh, my mom was already saved, my dad wasn't, um, but they got in church when I was, I think I was two years old. Uh, so I don't even remember that, you know, mm-hmm. but I just remember being in church my whole life. Um, so I've always heard it. I was always around it. I got saved a couple of years later uh, at camp. And then I was listening, and we were in a missions conference and I was listening to preaching and I don't remember a lot about it. I just remember after church, I stood up and I wanted to tell the whole church I was supposed to be a missionary. My mom kind of grabbed me by my sleeves. I down, yeah, you know, you crazy little kid. Um, but that's kind of how it was accepted. And that's great. There's a little seven-year-old that's saying something, but I never forgot it. It stuck in my head, and, and, I, and I knew that's what I was supposed to do. I don't remember what I said that day when I was seven. I don't remember who was preaching. Uh, I, I barely remember that it was a missions conference. I just remember God said, that's what you're going to do. Uh, so as I, as I grew older, as I went to camps, and as I listened to preaching, it's just amazing how every year or so God would give me something, and I felt like I needed to resurrender to be a missionary because it was just so clear. But I mean, I I, I was already surrendered, so I didn't keep re- redoing that 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 call, you know. Sure. But I, I felt that almost every year God would give me something very clear, very obvious, and then in just the last couple of years, uh, He'd give he'd, he'd, he'd show me very clear: this is what you're supposed to be doing. Um, so it was exciting that I wasn't just, you know, a seven year old kid that, that said something, but that was God speaking to me and I was a little kid. Uh, and he kept, uh, reassuring me of that throughout the rest of my life. So yeah, that's exciting. So whenever I, t- I teach the kids, I say, look, God already knows what you're supposed to do. <laughs> just be close enough to him or he can tell you about it.
0: Right. Well, and, and you said something that I think is very important in that you almost felt the need to, and, and it was, a. You know, Paul said, I die daily, but almost on a yearly basis, you kind of felt like you resurrendered, like keep it fresh, keep it in front of yourself. And we often, I know for me, uh, you know, you feel the, the burden, whether it's a small thing, you know, talk to that person at the gas station, give them an invite to church, those little things. And we can so easily talk ourselves out of it, even though we very clearly know what the will of God is. And so the fact that you didn't praise the Lord for that, uh, especially about a major life decision, if you want to call that. Um, but so coming up through, you gave us a kind of a brief overview of the, on, on the missionary side. But what about maybe the rest of your, your upbringing, uh, leading you to Bible college and, put, and continuing to put yourself in the position to fulfill God's call and not making what could have very easily been, you know, I'm sure many stupid decisions along the way that could have tripped you up as many teenagers do. Talk to us through, yeah. through that
1: of course and i had plenty of opportunities my uh, my father got out of church when i was i think five well wow. um, and the the day that i came home from the missions conference and i told my dad "My like, god called me to be a missionary he sat me down for maybe 30 minutes and he told me all the bad things about being a missionary all the terrible things about third world countries and he he Everything he could think of that was negative about diseases, about problems, uh, anything he could think of to try to talk me out of it, and that was just day one. Um, and then growing up, uh, my dad stayed out of church, so I always had that option. Um, if I wanted to stay home from church, mm-hmm. I could just talk to dad and he would tell mom, and I'm staying home. Uh, my mom was very consistent with trying to bring us all the time, but right. uh, it was just it was just a decision saying, look, this is something God asked me to do, so I've got to i I've, I've got to stay with it. So. Coming through um, high school, we met a group uh, uh, from Golden State, uh, a tour group coming through singing. And so I knew that's uh, that was one of the places I just first time ever hearing in Golden State with that group. And so I started praying about Golden State or, or a couple of other colleges, uh, but I knew I needed to go to a missions program. I needed a mission centered college, you know, so but yeah there's not much to tell i just i i, I stayed close to my pastor and my youth pastor and i stayed real busy i said Let me, keep me busy at the church you know they had me in you know, almost every day working on something or going on a bus route with them and uh, and they kept me so busy that that's that's kind of all i wanted to do that's where all my friends were that's where uh that's kind of where my my life centered i had my bus route all my friends worked on that bus route you know and, and they gave me a sunday school class to teach so i couldn't you know? i had a bunch of kids depending on me to teach You know, so. That kind of kept me involved. The more involved I got, the less opportunities I had to to get out, and I didn't even have any friends outside of church. I don't think. Right. Yeah, but then after getting to Bible college, that was um, after you're paying that much money to get into Bible college, you, you don't really want to flake out after that. So.
0: Yeah, you you say that, but we both know people that, that didn't have <laughs> that, that, that uh mentality, unfortunately. Um, but I appreciate the fact that you state it as if it's that um much of a. Duh, you know, maybe we should go to class if we're paying for it. But I, I, I digress. Continue on. I apologize. <laughs>
1: um, well, anyway, after after uh, Bible college was was exciting. My wife kind of got me on track. I was at Bible college, and I decided that I was uh, free, you know, free from all my mom's rules. So I started pulling out all the words and all the all the actions and everything that I wasn't allowed to do, and uh, with dating, and with with just talking and hanging out, and rules and. And then I met my wife, I met Ashley and she said, uh, she said, you've got to decide here whether whether you want to be around me or whether you want to act like that. Mm. And so she straightened me up pretty quick. And I was like, yeah. well, it's not just something she wants me to do. This is kind of the right thing to be like. Sure. So I went back to the old rules, but they made a lot more sense. But she kind of said, look, you've got to either be serious or or you know, forget about me. And and that kind of helped me because I was, ex- I was enjoying the freedom and staying on that path of just kind of i can do whatever i want might, might not have turned out real well so uh she kind of jerked me back to reality uh but then uh, ha- halfway through college i started praying about you know what to do next you know what, where to do i just start on deputation do i start you know, I, I don't know what to do and so of course i went to my pastor and i went to the college staff and asked for some advice they said well before you start you should probably get some experience doing something sure I don't know anything about that, but after my my last year of college, I had two pastors call me. uh, My home pastor and a a friend of mine, and they said, Hey, why don't you come work for us for a year or two? We've got some stuff to do. Got on staff over in Kentucky, back in my home church. I worked as a youth director there. So I was working with teenagers, making all these same decisions. Worked with teenagers for a couple years, worked in the children's ministry. And then that pastor decided to leave. He, he took off and started doing something else. So uh, I stayed there and I was a pastor for a couple months. Um, and so what a crazy experience that was. I was just planning to kind of get my feet wet in the ministry and go on deputation. I ended up being a pastor. And then we got a new guy in from Commonwealth. Pastor Brad Broadus. us. He's a great guy He's doing a great job out there in Kentucky. And then, uh, and then it's just a matter of I'm almost there. So um, we just got on deputation and hit the road. We didn't stop for anything we didn't take any breaks or vacations we hit it solid for two years every sunday every wednesday uh and two years after we started we're
0: down on the field amen so that would have been about three years ago now then right wow praise the lord well and it's it's awesome to see and you would you would probably um maybe uh be of of the same mind in this that you and i were not well, i would be blunt. We weren't close, really. I mean, we were, I guess probably had a few classes together and, and all those things. But it's awesome to see guys such as yourself. And unfortunately, and, I, and this is not a knock on Golden State or any Bible college because it happens everywhere. A lot of guys came saying, here's what we want. Here's what I think God wants us to do. And not all of them left doing that, to do that. And maybe some of them were wrong when they got there. But I, I would guess it's more just giving up on decisions that were made uh, that should have been fo- followed through on, um, but it's awesome. In, in this is this is the 37th uh, interview I've done like this, and a lot of them are with younger guys like like you, like me, somewhat recently. You know, graduated or recently in the ministry. It's awesome to be able to share the the little experience that we do have, but be able to commiserate over the fact that. So far at least you know five six seven years after Bible college we're, we're doing what we believe God wants us to do and to know that you know some, you can feel like you know oh you're all alone in your corner of the corner of the world and maybe you may be <laughs> over there but um, all around the world God has his that are doing what they're supposed to do and, and it's great to be able to talk to guys like yourself so let's if we can do a little bit of a deep dive on Mongolia and that area of the of the world, you know, language, culture, all those things, obviously completely foreign. What's the learning curve besides being very steep? Um How would you describe that and what are some of the most major obstacles on the religious side and cultural side?
1: Yeah. Okay. So first, I, I came on deputation with all these amazing facts, you know, about Mongolia. And I, I, I learned from Google and from some guys here that everything is just crazy, right? The, the religion is just crazy. Buddhist religion that everybody is enslaved to. And, and they have to go every day to these different temples and pay this money. And they and, and have this religious oppression over them. And it's just this terrible religious darkness so I got here expecting that, and I, and I've seen some very um, disturbing religious practices here in Buddhism, um, and it, it is everywhere you go, and you can see it. But what was surprising to me is, for the most part, most people don't aren't oppressed by this. Um, they're, they're, they have the internet now, they have TV, and they kind of understand that some of that's kind of nuts. Hmm. Um, and so that really surprised me. I really expect everyone I talk to to treat me like a Buddhist should, you know, and just kind of uh, in, in a respectful way, say, "Leave me alone. Don't ever talk to me about that again." Kind of, sure. Um, but but they're not. They're, they're not just this this abrasive um, religious fanatic group of people. Um, I mean, of course, there are, and and I have seen that. But for the most part, people are are are. Accepting people want to learn more about other things they So that was number one that surprised me. I I, I was blown away by that. I I thought it would be completely different Uh, So there is a lot of buddhism here and it it is quite scary Uh, every time you go hike a mountain or something there's a a shrine and some burnt animals and some crazy Trinkets they left leave behind, but that is a very small portion of people here Uh, and and that that was the first thing that really really shocked me was I can talk to pretty much anybody about church and about Jesus, and 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 they they'll they'll say, "Oh, I, I don't know anything about that," you know, and mm-hmm. then they'll allow me to talk to them. And, yeah, I'll come visit your church sometime, you know. And so that was surprise surprising. You know, I, I kind of came with that idea, and and the Lord has really opened some doors. Um, but adjusting, I thought uh, again, I thought adjusting was just going to be nuts. We're going to live in this this gear, and and we're going to be getting water from a well, and, and people are going to. You know, I, I just thought it was going to be crazy. I've heard all the stories. Anyways, I show up, and my landlord is an Australian guy, speaks better English than I do. And I, I'm living in one of his mansions he bought, that, and it, it, she's allowing me to rent for cheap because I'm going to stay here for a long time. He said, I'd rather have someone for a long time than have someone paying a lot of money for a short time. So we've got a language teacher that, that that's a Christian lady, and she's just amazing. And she's walking us through the language very easily. We're at a year now, and we can talk to pretty much anybody if they're patient. <laughs> sure. If, if they're patient enough to repeat themselves and, and listen to our same sentence that takes us, a, you know, a couple of minutes to say, uh, but we can we can carry on a conversation, you um, see. And people it, it people have the same needs. People have the same desires. So We work in a, a school here uh, to keep our visas. We have to work. Uh, we have to we have to have a a work visa. Okay. And so the Lord has made it very easy for us. We work at a school here, and it's only 20 hours a week. Amen. Uh, all together. And that's driving and preparing. Um, so it, that, that's very nice. That's just a good offset. Um, for our, That's kind of uh, um, you know a break in the monotony of life. We get to go there. We get to teach. We get to meet people. But so most of my interaction with uh, people outside of churches at the school and it, it, people have the same, the same quirks, the same thoughts. They think the same way. They, they desire the same things. They, uh, they, they, I don't know. Everything's the same. I, I expected it to be. Everything was. Everything was completely different. No one did anything the way I did it. Sure. Uh, but on their break, we walk to the store and we get a snack. We grab a Sprite, you know, and we talk about the weather and motorcycles. You know, it, it's surprising how easy it was just to kind of slip in. And if you can speak a little bit of the language, it makes it a lot easier to kind of slip in, but you kind of, kind of slip in and, and fit in, hmm. uh, which was, which was very different for me. I thought I was going to stick out like a sore thumb and people would look at me and laugh and stuff, you know, but it, it's really not like that. And praise the Lord, we've been able to get in um, at, at our school. We get to talk about church. Uh, we've had a couple of our teachers visit. Um, one of our teachers, um, I was going to send their daughter to our English classes. And and so it's just exciting to be able to uh, see that it's not it's not that crazy. The Lord's allowed us to be able to minister right away. Um, right. The language is absolutely insane. Uh, it, I've never studied another language before besides Spanish in high school. Uh, but Spanish, you've got all these words that are kind of the same as English words, you know, and some right. of them are very similar and structured kind of similar. Mongolian, it's just anything you can think of in the english language you have to flip it around backwards and then flip it upside down and then you're halfway there you know it's it's just crazy so before you can learn how to speak you have to learn how to think in the world because you have to switch everything around backwards and for example if you're looking this way you're you're looking straight you're looking north no right is is what east I'm all messed up now. Right is east, left is west, and behind you is south. This is one example. Mongolian culture, all the gears are pointed south. So when they wake up in the morning, the first place they look is south. So in front of them is south. And to their right is west, and to their left is east. And behind you is north. So just the way you think about directions, if they're saying north, they're saying behind you. Which hmm. is just so odd. And then to say go right is going west. And it's just, that's just one example of how everything's just completely backward. Hmm. Which isn't a bad thing. It's just the way they it's the way they work. Right. And it's very normal to them. And For me to tell them that that's opposite, they're like, what do you mean? You know? So it's very interesting. You have to learn how to think the way they do before you can talk the way they do. We're learning the language very well, praise the Lord. We're young enough to still kind of, our brains still kind of grab it well. The culture is interesting, it's fun. We've gone to a lot of different um, holidays, tried a lot of different foods. Um, everything's cooked very well, so you don't have to worry about uh, you know, dangerous food, but you know, the food's pretty good. They have a lot of interesting cultures, a lot of neat clothes um, and all that kind of thing, which we're kind of getting into slowly and enjoying all of that. Um, but we're excited that it's not so different that we can't do anything. And we're starting to learn language and we're being able to um, get involved with folks. We're English teachers. So a lot of the people that we interact with daily um, speak enough English. And so we speak a little bit of English here, a little bit of Mongolian, kind of mix it all together so we can understand each other well. And, um, yeah, so the learning the learning curve, the crazy culture shock uh, hasn't been as terrible as we expected it
0: to be. Sure. Praise the Lord. And those little things that we don't think about, um, two, two thoughts. One, just just those those things that we don't think about that are just so completely different, and and not, not that everybody does this, but even here in America, you know, people move to a different area. And they feel like it's their goal to not only evangelize the lost, but also to convert them to an American way of thinking, which right. is just a lost cause. I mean, right. the, many of these cultures are three and five and ten times longer than American culture right. in this way. And and yeah. uh, to even attempt that is, is foolhardy. Um, but then also the fact that they're just like us. You know, we expect... These to be blunt these alien creatures that are just so, so completely though you know the thinking may be different, but like you said, the thing that jumped out of me you know the same desires the same the same sin nature, but the same really everything they're just a little bit different you know in just small ways and uh, the fa- the fact that that was a that you expected something way more than that it, it's a, little, a little funny because. You're right. I mean, When I think of Mongolia, I think of this just completely foreign, far off place that, is, that bears no resemblance. Now, would you say, or have you had the opportunity to go out into more of the, cu- the country outside of the urban center? And would you say that carries over true even into the, I, I don't know if it's agricultural or, or herding uh, mentality? Is it still pretty similar or does it get pretty foreign pretty quick to an American mind?
1: Yeah, so we took off to the country um, with my parents actually came and visited us. My parents-in-law, my wife's parents, came yeah. visit us last summer. And so we took them and we said, we're going to learn with you. You know, so we took off to the countryside. And the countryside here is, is quite revered. Uh, it's beautiful. It's amazing. Uh, it's very open, lots of animals. Um, it's just gorgeous. It's something I've never seen, kind of like out in the Midwest just right. the plains and the hills and the grass it's just gorgeous so we took off there there's a big uh, lake go to the, the biggest lake in the country out here they get—they call it the ocean because we don't have any oceans so we went out there and I'm starting to be quite comfortable here so I didn't see how crazy it was but my in-laws they everything they saw was just different every every person they talked to was just different they were just eating it all up they thought it was fantastic you know But they got to go home for next week but it's not thought how cool it was. All the food, everything is just different than the way they're used to. But it's funny. You'll go out to the countryside. You'll travel 12 hours to get out there. You'll be out sleeping in a gear and, and, and you know, just with not two or three things similar to what you're used to. And you'll meet someone that's like, oh, yeah, I'm from Boston. I'm like, what do you mean you're from Boston? You know, my, my parents sent me to school out there, and, and that's where I grew up. <laughs> it's like, but now you live out here, you know. I'm he's back home, and he's helping his parents run the the tourist camp or whatnot. You wow. know. Um, so ev- when everything can just be completely different, I mean, you run into folks that are, have traveled the world. You know, and grew up in England, or grew up in somewhere else. And um, so the world is just getting so small.
0: Right. I you
1: don't. Know? I don't know about other countries. I have never been to other countries, but if this is such a a kind of hole in the wall country um, and and there's so many, so many English speaking people, so much, uh, so much uh, introduction to different cultures and different beliefs. And um, it it just threw me for a loop. I did not, I I couldn't believe how small now the world is that, that it's just not that much. It's not that foreign anymore.
0: Right. What would you say? And this is a question. I, I had a small, um, a uh, project I did uh, called Missions Monday, which coincidentally here at least it's 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 Monday uh, on the East Coast uh, a while ago. And a question I was asked, and I think it would be appropriate, especially with a background of allowing God to, or surrendering to God's call early on. All that to preface this question, what would you say to young people, specifically teenagers or even in Bible college, um, that feel God impressing on their life, maybe for missions, maybe just ministry, um, as a way to prepare for that? Now that you're on the field for a year, you have been able to undergo a little bit of that culture shock, though it maybe wasn't quite as severe as as you thought it might be. And that you're away from family besides, you know, maybe a trip or two from family to visit you. What would you say to prepare for ministry and just serving God? What what would be some practical advice, either either biblical principle or just straight practical advice that you give? Yeah. So first of all,
1: um, my culture shock has been very minimal um, for all the reasons I said. Mm -hmm. But you you asked my wife about this and she's going to have a completely different story for you um this is something i've been preparing for since i was seven and i get to deal with people you know i i I talk to people i teach classes i I, i'm working in school and and so this is kind of my dream so it's kind of perfect for me in my eyes you talk to my wife and she has to go shopping you know and there is no walmart there there's no superstore you know it takes all day to do a shopping trip and you get stuck in traffic and all your cold stuff gets bad then you have to go out and do it all over again so She's got a completely different story if you ask her about culture shock, because everything, like I said, is completely different. Right. um So, especially shopping and, and trying to deal with doctors and emergencies, and so yeah, so the culture shock for me has been minimum because I love it, but um, there, it is it is quite insane. Apparently. Um. But practical advice, my I'm I, I'm I talked to my pastor and I said I heard I hear all these people with these amazing stories about how God did all these things and you know you hear these stories about some old time preachers and they obey on their father's grave and say I'm not getting up until I have your power and they woke up and they had the power of God and they never got it and I said "God," I said pastor why I've never had a story like that am I just not Christian enough you know I I don't understand and he said no you're just not God knows what every person needs he said you're not an emotional person you don't need any emotional experiences and i said true i don't need it but you know it'd be nice you know it'd be cool to have that story you know and and so he told me and it kind of broke my eyes to i'm not a very emotional profound type of person you know and i i think it works with what the ministry's not given me he has me working with teenagers right and teenagers are not the profound type of of, that's not the, the the Life stage of profound of, of emotional wisdom, and so it's very practical. Um, my classes are very practical. What are we going to do about this tomorrow? Kind of thing. And so my mindset on being ready for ministry is is to put is to stay busy in it, but not only stay busy in it, but um, how do I say this? It's to make it to make it your life.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: See, it, if, if 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 ministry is just something you do. If serving the Lord is kind of something you do, if you have to move to a different country or a different city or away from family, sure, you get to do your ministry, but you miss all the rest of your life. Now you don't have your family and, and, and all these other things that were very important to you. Right. But if you put your life in ministry, and it, and it, is, it, it is your life, your life is, is one-on-one time with God, and then taking that time out and sharing it with others and teaching others, then it doesn't matter where you go. You could be by yourself in in somewhere in in a crazy country, and it doesn't matter because you're doing, your life is still intact. You're in the ministry. You're spending one-on-one time with God, and you're sharing that with others. And so, yeah, my family's not there, and yeah, my culture's different. Everything has changed. It's not important because that wasn't your life to begin with. Your life was staying close to God and sharing that with others. Um, And I teach my kids. I said, what's our number one purpose in life? And That's to have a relationship with God. That's why God created us. And if you have that straight, and if you have that priority, and that that main thing, all the other little things that that catch people up, you know, that, that get people on the wrong track, they're they're not important because that wasn't our priority when we got here. Uh, so whatever your life is, that that's what that's what that's what you're going to be focused on. If that makes any sense. Yes, sir. So if you got if you're focused on Serving the Lord, it doesn't matter where you are or who's with you or who's not with you because you still get to do that. If you have a lot of different focuses, I serve the Lord here and then I, and, I, and I do this over here, I do this over here, and then when you, God moves you or you get into a ministry, you don't have all those other things. Yeah, it's going to be hard.
0: Yes, sir. Well, I, I think you you downplayed yourself just a little bit. Sometimes the simplest things are the most profound. So that was that was a pretty profound five minutes, uh, um, uh, right? Right there. That, that was that was absolutely you're absolutely right. You're absolutely true. So often we get, and again, I I say this to my shame. So sometimes we get focused on the wrong things, and then when those things go awry, or you you like you said, you miss out on things because you're sole focus. You you weren't. You know single-minded about things and you're exactly right about that um it can trip you up will you say something
1: yeah you know what's amazing though is all these things that we're holding on to i'm i'm, I'm gonna paraphrase a bible verse apparently but all these things that we like to hold on to god gives them all back to us okay right. so i played basketball my whole life i love basketball i didn't play in college uh, because I, I was too christian and sold out in my classes um right. Uh, but I, I really stunk, apparently, with those guys. Uh, so I, I didn't like to play because I wasn't at that level. But I love playing basketball. And so I got here. And obviously, I, I can't play basketball. You know, I'm, I'm working in church and all this. I got here, and everyone here loves playing basketball. And so two teen activities every year is taking my teen school to basketball. I just got approached by a guy saying, I need you to coach a basketball outreach ministry. And so God takes these things he would like to hold on to. As soon as we give them to Him, mm-hmm. he says, "Okay, now I can use those and give them back to you in a, in a better way." Uh, we hold on to family. Uh, I can't, I can't leave my family. I can't leave my family. This year, uh, my in-laws came. Next year, my in-laws are coming again, and my sister is coming. Uh, if we, if I was to hold on to that and say, "I can't be without my family and leave and go home," you know, God's saying, "Well, I could have given that back to you. You know, you just had to wait." Right. So it's neat to say I'm going to let go of all this. I'm going to focus. on you got my you got my attention. I'll focus on you. And then he said, Oh, great! Well, here, take some more basketball, and take your family, and take right. this, and that's really neat. It's just I love archery, and I was shooting my bows for for years and years, and uh, I got to I got to Mongolia, and the police said you can't bring it. You know, it's a compound bow, it's a weapon. I said, Well, you know, I'm not here to shoot. You know, I'm here to serve the Lord, and so I forgot about it. Well, I got a hold of this shipping company and i started shipping some things from amazon and and i said i might as well ask will you ship a compound bow and sure enough they sent me two compound bows i've got my bows back you know i go out and i shoot every once in a while it's just amazing god saying give it to me that's not why you're here right so i give it to him he said okay you can have it back you know it's just if it's something that i would have held on to and would have tricked me up
0: it would have been a waste yep
1: because he was going to give it back anyway you know
0: You're exactly right. And I, I love that. And I wasn't even going that direction. I love that you went there. The uh, the shirt I'm wearing now, it says a man camp, Dwight, Illinois. My father-in-law runs a football camp, a Christian football camp where preaching is is preeminent. Football is just the lure to get young people right. to come. And um, it is the, the exact same story. I love football. Just the, I, um, like I, I'm, you know, I'm I'm DVRing Monday Night Football right now because after we're done, I'll be able to I'll be able to go through the commercials. Um, so don't think I'm that good of a Christian. I'm missing foot. I'm missing my Monday Night Football <laughs> for, for for this. But, um, anyway, the I, I never thought that football would have been part of my future. In you know being, uh, I would have loved to coach you know high school basketball or something, and you know and dabble with you know you know semi you know, professional type stuff, just, you know, as a coach's assistant or something just for kicks. But now I get to be an assistant director of this camp and literally live. And I'm I'm going to be transitioning here at the end of the year into full-time evangelism. And part of what I'll be doing is representing that camp and and publicizing as much as possible. And I get to live football all year. And it's exactly what you're saying. And those are sports analogies to, to a degree, basketball and football. But it applies, and you applied it in multiple other areas, but it's the same type of thing. It, it, I, I find it hilarious how so many times our passions, God wants nothing more than to use those for his will and to further the gospel. But then, but people get so selfish with, with, with things, and I, I do too. But you want to hold on to your things, and if you just give them to God, like you said, he's more than happy to give him right back. Um, and so yeah, we, we give up the best, you know, we, we, we want to choose good or better and we give up best um, just because we want what we want. So yeah. I, I love that you made that application because I made that so many times, especially with teenagers and young people who they have this all-consuming passion, whatever it may be, you fill in the blank. It's nothing bad. It's a good thing. But they let that consume them instead of God's will when God could have so very easily used. I mean, God would rather use something you're, I, I would assume, you know, I'm not right. God, but I would assume he'd probably like to use something you're good at in the furtherance yeah. of his kingdom. And so I, I love that application. Um, so the, we've talked about kind of the upbringing, kind of what brought you through to Mongolia. You dabbled it for just a moment there on, on your wife and the uh, the culture the that she that she deals with more so than you but talk about maybe a little bit just the family dynamic as far as you know raising your children and and how old are the boys and then and you spoke for just a moment about about teaching them what the primary goal is but what are some things that you feel like you have to do a little bit differently raising children there than maybe elsewhere or maybe not
1: yeah uh, so my family's—I've been blessed. I'm the coolest family ever. Um, um, my wife has been a trooper. Everything is. She does the same thing, you know. She she has to take care of the home and help in church and take care of the kids. So she does the same thing, but it's just harder. <laughs> sure. You no know, shopping is harder. You know, trying to take care of medical needs is harder. You know, all of her work, just same thing, just harder. Right. Um, but she's been awesome. Um, and the kids have been great. My kids are five, four, five, three, and one. Okay. This little baby. So, so we're dealing with getting immunizations overseas, and and you know having an emergency number on hand, and you know sicknesses, and and so for her, it's 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 very difficult. Um, okay. And the doctor, you know, you got to find a doctor you can trust, and you know, there's no there's no bureaucracy that that. that um, regulates what doctors can and can't do and so it's it's very scary um, right. i mean you can get a doctor that that doesn't change out his needles and you know doesn't wash his instruments and no one's going to tell him you can't do that and if you get sick you can't sue him you know right uh, so it, it's very scary in that sense um and we think should we just isolate them and no vaccines and no i mean that's all another issue right but, you know no doctors and we get our own med kit and it, and it comes to a point where you have to trust God with it because mm-hmm. we bring him to church. And we had, we had a, a young lady at church kiss my one-year-old on the mouth the other day. It was like, come on guys, he's been sick for a week now. I mean, it, it, it comes to a point where, you, you know, you can't crawl on the floor because, you know, the floor is dirty and, and it's more dirty than you're used to. And, and it comes down to a point where do I trust God with my kids or do I Um, and it's the scariest feeling I've ever had because do do I let my do I let my five year old go and hang out with these kids? I I don't know their cleanliness. I I don't know what what kind of diseases or sicknesses. I, and I just have to trust that God has God has uh, He's going to take better care of my kids than I can. Amen. And it's so hard for me to understand that because if I just keep them close to me, nothing can ever happen to them. You know. Um. But man, that's hard. That that's been the hardest thing is just saying, God, apparently, you're gonna take care of him because you said you would, and I know you love him. But man, that's hard for me to say. Okay, well, I'm gonna let him go in the nursery. Yeah. I'm gonna let him go hang out. With you, you know, I'm gonna let him go with the doctor. And man, that's hard. And and just saying, God, I know I always say that I trust you, but now I'm giving you my little one-year-old baby, who's sick. And I don't know what's wrong, and I can't talk to the doctor about it because I don't speak that good in the It's just, it's insanely hard. And, and, and I tell everyone, I preach all around the country and all around the world saying, trust God, he knows what he's doing. And then my baby's sick, and it's like, no, God, come on, you know. Um, so that, that's, that's been the toughest thing is just saying, God, I, I know you care about my kids more than I do, which is hard for me to even say, but I know it's true. So here. I trust you to take care of them. And, you know, there's a lot of things. We want them to play, we want them to play sports. I played sports my whole life. I think it's really important for uh, for, for children and learning how to play and win and lose. And I don't know how we're going to do that. They're not in a, a, a Christian school, a public school. And I don't know how to get involved in that. Um, I don't want them to come back to the states as a you know an awkward missionary kid who kids make fun of, and they can't do anything, and they can't play a they can't dribble a ball, or they they can't barely speak English, or they don't know what America is. You know, I've got all these worries and concerns for them, and and I can't do anything about it. Uh, my wife's the same way. what if they get sick? And, and what if we don't have the money to fly them so to some you know, we can deal with it, you know, we're adults and, you know, we can, we can make it work because we know exactly what's wrong. We can talk to, you know, we can work through it but with these little kids. They don't know. They don't deserve second best because they haven't even, I don't know, I'm kind of rabbit around here, but the, these kids I have so many desires and concerns and things for them. And, and I can't, I can't fix them. I can't get them in the right school and get them on the right team and get them to the right doctor I can't do it and so saying God here's my kids please take care of them it's just the biggest step of faith I've ever taken it's bigger than going to a new country and getting married and all to so saying here's my three precious amazing innocent children and you gotta you gotta take care of them because I can't that's been a really hard um, so he's doing a beta, um, but he just started kindergarten Maverickton. So we are doing a Becca, so that's taking care of schooling. Um, she's got a, you know, everyone knows Becca. It's a great school and it's Christian and, and they, they learn a lot about America. They learn English well. Um, we've got a Mongolian teacher comes and teaches Mongolian lessons to the kids. Um, plus they're at church all the time. So I'm excited that they'll be bilingual. And that's going to be really cool. They're already speaking. They already know when to speak Mongolian, when to speak English. Smart little guys. So and that's that's really neat I, I think it's neat for them to have the the wisdom the knowledge of world traveling know the first time I ever did it was five years ago, I didn't have a clue what I was doing. you know I had passports and visas and airports, and I was lost um i could I didn't have a phone for like three days because I didn't know how to get a SIM card and how to do the internet and you know it was insane. I had no idea what I was doing. I was scared praying the whole time, God, please let me get to where I'm going you know. Um, so it's gonna be neat for them to have that that um, suaveness about them. They can go to a different country. They can travel. They can speak different languages. They know how to interact with people that don't speak their language. So I'm I'm really excited about that uh, wisdom they'll they'll learn. They get to see the ministry firsthand. They get to uh, be a part of God doing something on the ground level. And this is a, a brand new country. Um, they just got out of uh, they just lost their control from the Soviet Union. So I mean they're they're literally a brand new country and. Churches have never been here. Christians have never been here, so they get to see God grow something new. Um, so I'm excited for the opportunities they get to see the, the ministry, they get to see the God they get to see in action um, in, 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 a, in a new place. They get to see God grow His name out of nothing here. You know, so that's that's really neat. Um, but just the practical side of of raising kids is is very very scary, um, and. I don't know how it's going to work I, I, I don't know how i'm going to be able to do all the things i think they need and things that i think is good for them um but like i said i i know god cares about them more than i do so even if they don't get the things that i think they need apparently that now well, that's what god thinks they need so that's been really hard for me uh, and really hard for my wife as well but um we trust the lord and we're excited to see what what happens with these guys Amen.
0: Well, I appreciate, for one, just for me, you being open about that, uh, because those are those are the practical things that we don't think about. You know, uh, even say good Christians, you know, they think, you know, these these missionaries, they're heroes, they're doing great things for God on the far side of the world. And um, even if we think we can never do that, praise the Lord for them and everything they're doing. And that's about we stop thinking. about. (coughs) It's not. You know what? What are the practical concerns you have for your kids in a board? You know, third world countries and things like that. Just, like you said, just the cleanliness, all those things. Um, I mean, you think about it here, you got moms that, well, I'm not, I'm not bashing it, but have Purell and baby wipes, you know, coming up, you know, just all over the place and just constantly wiping their kids, you know, they, they you know, uh, my little one played a Chick-fil-A um, a play, play land today. And my, my wife, obviously, thankfully Chick-fil-A keeps their things, you know, nicer than most. And so, you know, we didn't have as many concerns, but, you know, little things like that. And then you think about the, what the real concerns that you'd have there um, for sure. And so I, I appreciate you being being open uh, and honest about that. The well, one of the last questions I always ask as we as we wrap up, we're getting sitting close to an hour here. And for those that are watching and listening, in, I appreciate it. I've been holding steady with uh, some, some different listeners and watchers, I appreciate that. And uh, if you get a chance, I, I think there have been multiple spots um, that have been well worth your time, or the entire thing has. And I, I say this probably every every one of these I do. If nobody was listening or watching it, what we've talked about today has been worth my time because that's why I do it. I, I, I appreciate being able to talk to people that are passionate about something. I mean, people like talking to people that are passionate and, more specifically, I like talking to people that are passionate about ministry. And so this has been a help to me. But for those of you that are watching, listening in, let me encourage you, if you would, to consider um, uh, sharing uh, this, whether it be on Facebook or YouTube or whatever. Send, some, send somebody in particular, not even on social media, text somebody the link and maybe point out <coughs> a timestamp of, of, uh, of something that you thought was particularly insightful. And again, those of you that were listening, um, when this is over, scrub back to a timestamp and uh, let, me, let me know. Um, in the comments, what particular part of this was uh, most helpful for you? Because I, I enjoy seeing, I know particular things that spoke to me, but I like hearing from other folks as well. But last question I almost always ask is, if there's anything you could say um, to, I jokingly say, the thousands upon thousands of people that are watching right now, obviously not really, but what what would it be, um, your go-to, whether it be spiritual or unspiritual, what, what is the go-to thing that you fall back on um, when you put it up against the wall, what would you tell people if you had nothing else to say?
1: You could ask my teenagers this. They know exactly what I would say. And that's what is your life worth? Um, I, I always come back to it. every single class. I always come back to these basic principles, you know, and m- m- my thought in life is w- what am I investing in? What, what am I working toward? And, and my fear is getting to heaven. And God saying, thank, you know, I'm glad you're here, but you didn't do anything. <laughs> mm. You know, I, oh, I invested my life and I did this and this and this. Well, that's not what I asked you to do. You know, And that, that just scares me. And so thinking what, what am I, is, what am I investing in? And I tell my teens, are, are you doing anything worth doing? Right. And I have friends and family around the world. Now I can say that, that, that are investing their lives in, in, Things that are considered maybe noble or or, productive and, but when it all comes down to it and it gets put through the fire in heaven, there's there's nothing left. And maybe one or two things here, you reached out and did a good deed over here or here, and that's great, but you you don't have anything to show for your life. And that's scary to me. I hate to live my whole life and God said, you wasted it. You know what? So, are you investing your life are, are you are doing anything with your life that counts and i'm sure my teenagers are tired of hearing it but you know what did what did you do today in your life that, that, that matters for eternity you know what did you do today that won't ever go away and and that's the driving thought for my life is i that song that in college i don't know any of the words i don't even know the tune of it all i know is the title i want my life to count for jesus i don't I've never heard the song after I got out of college. I, I don't know anything about it, but I want it to count. You know, I, I think it's kind of a prideful at points. You know, I want to do something with my life. And I've said my a thousand times. I get that. It's kind of prideful, but I don't want to waste it. You know, I, I don't, I don't want to get to the end of life and say, wow, I just wasted it. I want to do something that counts. I, I want to, and that, that's my driving. That's my driving point. We think about my wife and I've talked about things we could have done and places we could have gone. And, and, uh, what we can do later on in life or what we can do instead of what we're doing and my thought is it won't matter right now we're doing things every day that matter for eternity you know that will never go away and i can't imagine doing anything else
0: amen amen there have been a few um they just happen to be this way a couple different a few different two word, I wouldn't call them mantras, just two word things that have been kind of recurring, cycling through my mind. One of them is this, and I think it goes exactly with what you're saying. This thought that has been coming to mind recently is this, every moment, yeah. just two words. My thought is every, every time I'm, I'm looking down at my phone or, or doing something, whatever it may be, I think about the fact that every moment is going to be called into question. Is going to be judged and you talk about you know your your efforts your life's work being put through the fire I, I was almost thinking every second is going to be put through the fire and how many are actually going to be worthwhile and I like, like you said what's it worth you know if, if you think of it that way how many slivers of gold do you have at the end of each day if any you know, and that's been a recurring thought of mine and it definitely helps. I don't think of it as often as I should, but it definitely snaps me out of, you know, just doing something stupid, wrong or sinful or, or not even. It can just be, it can be okay, but not what I should be doing. And I think you're, you're exactly right. And again, for those that are listening, there's another, there's another uh, uh, gem there. I greatly I appreciate it, man. This has been fantastic. Uh, I enjoyed, again, talking to guys that are passionate about Doing something for God, not just not that there's anything small, little as much when God is in it, but want to do something on a grand scale. We don't have a whole lot of time. We can speak of you know God coming back, and that's it for certain. But also just our time frame on Earth, we don't have much time. And so I appreciate you using what you have for God um, with your family there in Mongolia. Um, any last words for those that might be listening? I already asked you kind well, of once, but go ahead.
1: Yeah, my uh, I got to talk about passionately how much I, I, I want to serve the Lord and, and make my life count. But what I'm involved in, I didn't get to say anything about it. Please. Um, and I, it would take forever. I've I've got Lord's allowed me to put be involved in so many little things that right. it's just groundbreaking. Things like we don't have a Bible. It, it,
0: it broke like up Bible for just a second here. Let me make sure it comes back. It it, it just broke up for just a second. You said we don't have any and then we'll start from there if you can.
1: All right, so we don't have a Bible. Uh, okay. 't we don't have a songbook, a hymn book Wow um, we don't have um, discipleship material.'ve um, never the country has never had a Christian college. Hmm. Um, and we have started all of those. We wow. have a Bible college we, I'm, I'm personally working on a hymn book. I'm working on the country's first hymn book. you know um, the country's never had a youth group, a church team group. This never happened. Um, And so we put our heads together and we came up with the word for youth group. Um, And we created it. It's Usturin But we created it and we made a logo. And, I mean, everything is just ground level. And you can get on my website and see my letters and all the things we're involved in. Uh, We got our first piano, you know, and and we're teaching guys how to play instruments in church and and how to play church music. And what's it difference between church music and other music? And and we're teaching the bible college we're teaching the life of christ and and it's just it's just amazing we're, we're having guys that need help in other churches that they started and it's too much for them to handle and they say we need help you know so we're going with college students and helping little churches and it's just insane we've got a printing press it's about to start printing out books and Amen. we got our new testament done and we're starting to print out new testaments and um we're I, I just got asked to coach for a, a basketball outreach by some guy I don't know from a different church on the other side of the the, the country, and, and so it's just so many little things we get to be involved in. It's just awesome, and so to see all that is, to be involved in all that, one it's amazing to be involved in God's work, but it's amazing to be in, involved in God's work that's never happened before. You know, it's just it's really really cool the visions and the the uh, the the dreams and all the neat things that are coming to pass and the neat things that are will start will start doing in the following years with these college students and the the bible studies and the church plants and it's just it's becoming amazing so if you're interested keep up with all the the letters and and every letter says we got to do something else it's never been done you know so
0: it's it's pretty cool awesome now tell us how can people connect with you either social media on the web just for people that are watching that want to
1: yeah um on I'm on Facebook it's Bradley and Ashley Cubic, um and then that that gives you links to our website um and that that has all our archive prayer letters and all our pictures and videos we do update videos and all that and that's all on mmissions.weekly.com um so get on that and check out all that um I I'm excited I think every I, I think it's worthy of everyone looking at it you know but that's just me. I, I love what God's doing. I love being in the middle of it, you know, and Amen. I think it's just the cool, coolest thing in the whole
0: world. Amen. And, and that, that encapsulates exactly the type of people I want to talk to. I, I, I say, you know, people that are passionate about things, but people that are like me, and I, I, I do this too often, I get infatuated with things. Sometimes ministry, like I just had an ex- experience, we can talk about off air in just a little bit. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, with with this this ministry this outreach this opportunity got for those that have maybe heard before gospel walking sticks I'll tell you more about it in a second but um, I just want to tell everybody about it I took 10 minutes out of our Sunday you know p.m. service just to tell the church you know here's what's going on with I got to tell everybody about this thing and it's same type of thing Um, the fact that you want everybody to know that's exactly the type of guy I want to talk to because if you're not doing something that you want everybody to know about, then you're not doing the right thing. You know? well, I mean, and yeah. you can take that broader. I mean, we're doing it on behalf of the one who everybody should know about, of course. But, um, if, if you're not doing something that's worthwhile, if it's all about you, then who cares? That, that, that's, that's yeah. trash. Anyway, I greatly appreciate it. Look up, uh, Bradley and Ashley book on Facebook. Those of you that are watching, um, I think this one, as well as many others, but this one would be worthy of those of you that are watching. Like it, comment, share all those things. I saw multiple comments come through. I think, uh, um, who did I see here at the beginning? Uh, I got Michael Prescott, uh, Josh Barriger I know, um, John and Marie Woolard. Uh, I think they're up in uh, Michigan. They said, our church loves the Cubics. It's great to see yeah. you guys are adjusting well. And I was back towards the beginning, but those of you that are watching it and uh, peeking in, I greatly appreciate it. And uh, keep up with the Cubics, um, even though they're on the far side of the world, doing some great things. I appreciate it. Sir, so I think I mean you've only been there for a year, and we found an hour's worth of content to talk about. So I think we'll have to do this again sometime and catch it. Get an update on the basketball team and printing and the Bible. And uh, we'll talk to the the and see how how what they think of your hymn book. Even though they, even though they won't <laughs> and they won't understand anything in there besides the musical yeah. notes. Um, right. That's awesome, man. Well, I appreciate it. Those of you that are watching, like it, share it. This has been Mike and Live, number thirty-seven, with missionary Bradley Kubik.